Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Sit Down with Sid podcast. This is episode number 39. Our guest today, having worked 14 years in management for Fortune 500 companies, he has been serving as an arts administrator to nonprofits since 2003 when he co-produced the Fall Collection, a mixed media festival in the Lower East Side of New York City. Drawing from the love of dance and cultural experiences from living nine years abroad, he founded Dance Parade in 2006 in New York. He has been honored as a presenter at the New York Dance and Performance Awards, served as Associate Director for the Fall Festival, a multimedia arts festival, general manager of Nimbus, Danceworks, Jersey City's preeminent dance company, and currently consults for nonprofits, serving on the advisory board for Neville Dance Theatre, a contemporary ballet company. Without further ado, it's an honor for me to welcome Greg Miller. How are you doing, Greg? I'm great, Sid. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, so, Greg, before we kind of get into the podcast, would you mind taking some time to tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, and, and so forth? Sure. I uh, grew up in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, went to school at the University of Michigan. Um, I think that was my first experience to really have international exposure. There were a lot of international students. Um, and then I started going abroad. It was actually cheaper to go to Germany to study German mm -hmm. in Germany than it was to go to the University of Michigan and, and get the credits from over there. So I kind of was exposed uh, to foreign travel and foreign people um, in Europe then mm -hmm. when I was at university. And um, was really inspired. I, I changed my major over to international business. And then um, after I, I went to a um, university organization called ISEC, which mm -hmm. was uh, it basically placed you uh, abroad um, and matched your skills with whatever the um, companies were looking for. So I worked my first job abroad was with mm -hmm. Bosch in Germany. And then I went to England and worked for Shearson Lehman. And then uh, just wanted to see what was on the other side of the globe. So was seven years in Asia, mostly in Japan. And then I came back to the States in 96 and um, started working for a Japanese airline. And then I worked for Re uh, Rev, actually it was Cablevision mm -hmm. um, for a few years and then Revlon the beauty company. Um, and then, and all along, I, I guess I was picking up some nonprofit or arts related interests and started volunteering for them. And then I basically uh, started Dance Parade in 2007. Um, along the, that time, I, I worked for a, a nonprofit at Columbia University for, for medical uh, information. Mm -hmm. um, to kind of make a Wikipedia for, for medicine. Okay. That was an interesting job. But then I just basically, you know, Dance Parade, which is my love right now, Labor of Love, uh, became a full-time uh, situation. And um, we've been doing that for 16 years. Unbelievable. So, Greg, I have a question now. Like, working in so many different countries, such big corporations having gaining so much experience what inspired you to 
find Dance Parade and start your own venture in 2007? So it came about in an interesting way. Um, a lot of people ask me this, and when I think back, you know, the primary thing that happened for me, I essentially I left Revlon along with uh, 6,000 other people in a company layoff situation. Oh, wow. Okay. They had, they had a brand called Vital Radiance. It was a, a cosmetic line for senior citizens. So they anticipated selling into 17,000 doors, basically, you know, all the drugstores in the country, um, four feet of wall space, this, this beauty line for senior, for senior citizens. And it was this major $200 million venture, uh, that they tried and it didn't work out. And so I was in charge of the finance for them and they kind of just dropped it off their balance sheet. And, uh, I was in a situation where I had a chance, I had a nice severance package and mm -hmm. I could really look at what I really wanted to do. Did I really want to, you know, work for a big company and, and make a small impact or did I want to try to make a difference? And so I started um, going to some meetings about uh, dance advocacy and, mm -hmm. and why there was this crazy New York City law that where you needed a license for dancing. It was a prohibition era law that um, affected dancing all around. I don't know, Sid, if you knew the Lower East Side, you, you probably in the 90s, you probably saw signs that said no dancing. And that raised a lot of questions for me and these friends. And we started doing dance protests. And there were four groups of dancers in 2006 that challenged New York City um, in the state Supreme Court. And mm -hmm. one of them was Peter Martins, who was the director of the New York City Ballet, very famous. Um, but basically they lost the case. They, they didn't, they weren't able to, um, say to New York city that dancing was a first amendment, right? Um, so it was basically focused on social dancing. You okay. could of course have a first amendment freedom to, to have a dance on stage and charge money for that. That was, right. you know, fine. But, um, for nightclub dancing and even dances, you know, that, were social. So for example, tango and ballroom, right. that was actually, you know, kind of restricted and they shut down clubs like swing 46, you know, that had swing dancing and it was because their patrons were dancing. So it, oh, became, wow. a, it became a protest. We had dance police who <laughs> were dressed up in NYDP kind of like the same logo as NYPD, but NYPD right, right, right. City Dance Police uh, right. hats and shirts. And we ticketed people for not dancing. So it was kind of a, a parody on the real dance police. And uh, <laughs> wow. um, so they would get a ticket that said, you've been cited for improper rhythm or, you know, no moving in a free dance zone. And, uh, <laughs> and then on the back was they had to go to court, which was the, the ticket was the, um, the, the free after party ticket or the, the free dance lesson or something like that. That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. So, so let me ask, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, I did not know even that in 1990s, I wasn't here. So, 
I did not know this story that uh, social dancing was not allowed in New York City, you know, so something new I learned. Uh, so let me let me ask you now, what is the mission of Dance Parade? What is your mission? Well, because of this, this kind of interesting, you know, beginning, mm-hmm. we we wanted to show as many social forms of dance, as many expressive forms of dance as possible. So our mission became, um, we want to promote all forms of dance okay. and, and celebrate diversity. So we now have over 100 unique styles of dance in the parade. So that is a key element to celebrate diversity, to celebrate um, cultural equity which means, um, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a dance in a nightclub or a dance uh, on stage, contemporary ballet, for example, they're all considered, you know, valuable and important. So this year we had uh, the Ukrainian, a Ukrainian group dance and right behind was a Russian group. And even though this incredible divisive war that's going on right now in, in Europe, um, we we could show the, the the people and the culture, and that was so important to us to show that they're equal, even even despite you know there's an aggressor and a defender, and right. Uh, it's not about politics, but we just wanted to honor their their culture. So um, cultural equity, um, diversity, and inclusion. Inclusion is the the third thing that we celebrate with our mission and. That mm-hmm. means that it's a participatory parade, that everyone is invited, no matter who they are, as long as they dance. Okay. <laughs> so, so let me ask you if I understand this correctly. So now, when you have these different kind of dancing events, different kind of uh, ethnic dances coming from different parts of the world, now, how long does the whole prep take? So, so for example... From start to finish, you know, as you said, people can uh, people can also what what's the right word? You know, they can participate. So, so give us a time frame, an average time frame, how long it takes from when you decide to start the to plan the date for the parade to the end of the day of the parade. You know. Sure. Well, the planning in terms of pre-event, like getting it all organized, or mm-hmm. or or for more the participants. Because it's two different things. To to plan the event, you know, it actually takes a good eight months before even even to fund it. We have to start a year out to get our grants uh, submitted and to reach out to corporate sponsors and things. We have a a, a Giving Tuesday um, event that happens just after Thanksgiving. So there's mm-hmm. uh, not many people may know that, but there's you know. Uh, Black Friday, which is a big, you know, shopping spree right. on Friday before th- uh, after Thanksgiving, and then Small Business Saturday, and then Cyber Monday, and we were we kind of got swept up in the global giving movement, which is called uh, Giving Tuesday. So that's a big part of our preparation. We raise critical funds for our nonprofit mm-hmm. charity, and then. Um, for the participants, we start recruiting just five five months out, four months out, and have a budget to um, pay, actually pay artist fees for participation mm-hmm. and participation on stage because it's not just a parade; it follows with the festival afterwards. 
and um, and so getting everything organized takes takes months. Um, for the participant, they actually can join just you know a day before they hear about the parade on on a TV commercial or radio mm -hmm. ad or something, and and they maybe they're a salsa dancer, so they join a salsa group and dance to a live salsa band or something like that, and and then that will they have to show up an hour before the their call time mm -hmm. and their step off time, and then it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to go through and dance through the parade, sometimes longer if you're in the back. <laughs> um, but then there's a whole uh, four-hour festival at the end where there's a five-stage situation and also a, a participatory um, social dance area and dance lessons. And it's, it's, for every, it's to inspire everyone and to get everyone really moving in this healthy activity, cult cultural important activity so let me ask you greg now is it very easy or is it really complicated to get the permit from the city who handles the security and all that so forth like on an average tell us how many people attend this parade you know and then based on the parameters of that if you can tell us a little bit about you know as i said the security the permit the safety and uh, so forth that there there are a number of things that go into the you know planning a safe and um, city uh, regulated and city um, approved events. Mm -hmm. So the permits we already right now is our next event won't be until May twenty twenty three. Like our, our next big event, we we do okay. throughout the year, but. Um, there's a number of permits. It's not just one. There's, uh, you know, the sound permits, the parade permit. The you you need to coordinate with the fire department to make sure everything is, you know, within safety guidelines. Right. Uh, there's there's uh, just a lot of health considerations and and safety situations, and it's just we've done it so many times that you know we have a, a timeline and a kind of okay. management system to tick everything off. Um, but all of that, um, you know, goes into being a, a safe parade. Um, you mentioned security. We hire a, a That's private correct. security company um, and, and place them. We have so the New York City cops are not responsible. The city is not responsible for the safety of the public, or is it just a private uh, agency? No, they we partner with a number of city agencies: the Department okay. of Transportation, of course, NYPD, mm -hmm. um, uh, MTA. You know, they have to change the bus routes and this and, and right, uh, right. Uh, the Parks Department and and. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of coordination that happens. We essentially have one big meeting with the city. Um, mm -hmm. This year it was in April, so okay. about six weeks before we met up with them and uh, kind of go over the entire planning that that we've done. And it really only happens in partnership. You know, we we had, for example. Um, two big planters that, that were in the in the parade route way, and we had to figure out how can we move them safely, mm -hmm. you know, and and had a number of things with the Department of uh, uh, Transportation to to make that um, 
because they they needed them for security reasons and union right and so uh yeah there's always little details but you, you just try to focus on you know what's important and what what is a critical piece that can't be forgotten um the police provide they're there uh for sure to provide mm -hmm. security um they're they would prefer to kind of be in the background and not in, okay you know, we, we have constant communication with them if if there's an issue um as an example we thought the mayor was going to come and mm -hmm. he had a another conflicting event but uh we were expecting a lot of people at the formation area at the start and someone had their car towed, uh, a, a local resident mm -hmm. and said they were very angry. Well, why did you, you know, that there was sign, I didn't see any sign where I parked my car. And what had happened was the night before there was heavy rain and the sign that said no parking got washed away. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, but the police, they very kindly, um, moved to the car just to a local area nearby where the resident could could get it without any fine or whatever. Okay. It was just a, 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 a you know because you get in that situation where it's no one's fault. The rain you can't blame right. the rain. Right. Um, that's what happened. The sign got washed away, and the guy was very happy once he figured that out. So we had a kind of communication hierarchy about you know, who to call. And, and I, I talked to the local precinct and then found out that information. And then I was like, Phew. okay, probably one fire was put out. <laughs> There's often things that pop up where you have to solve. And, um, the best team is when you have, you know, people coming back and they really understand all the issues. They know how to deal with things on the fly. Great. So, so Greg, for, for the, yeah. for the audience in New York city, uh, you just had a parade, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, May 21st uh, last month, correct? That's right. Uh, do you take the same route? Is the route of the parade same every year or do you change that? And and if it's the same, what is the route, the starting point to the end point, if you don't mind sharing? <laughs> um, it's a very relative, important question for this, this time around because we're actually changing the route for next year. So okay. for the... The first year, we actually um, went down Fifth Avenue uh, from 14th um, down to the end uh, where Fifth Avenue runs into Washington Square Park. And, okay. And Washington Square Park was where the festival was in the first year. But then they had to do construction and... Uh, they were moving the fountain to be aligned and taking care of plumbing issues and things. But basically, they had to, they, we couldn't do a festival there. So we had to rethink everything. We worked with the highway patrol, the traffic, and all the, these police uh, units to come up with the current, the last 15 years was down Broadway from 20th, 21st Street. Uh, mm -hmm. through Union Square West and and kind of turning east on 8th Street St. Mark's with a okay. great stand in Astor. So it basically, DOT has been changing the mm -hmm. um, landscape of what Broadway looks like, making it more pedestrian. So that's right. creating more and more challenges for us 
to to have all these you know we have 60 vehicles with 20 parade floats and how, where do you park them when you have all these right. things plus the the pandemic caused all these restaurants to pop up in the streets so that, yeah that now, is true yeah now we're going to move over to fifth avenue where it's a much wider avenue um and so it is possible you know anyone can apply for a parade permit um but of course you know the, the you can't have a parade every day the city wouldn't be able to have business so they i'm sure they um approve the ones where you have a a, a real rich cultural reason you know we had kind mm -hmm. of a social justice reason uh you know we represented dancers who wanted the right to dance right and so um you know we we now get funded by the national endowment for the arts the department uh, of new york city for cultural affairs mm -hmm. and the new york state council on the arts so all these kind of governments now support us um and it's not a protest it's it's a celebration so um all of this uh, is is an interesting thing but when we're talking about business and how things start and and you know it's 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 a chan changing uh, business plan dependent on sometimes the you know what's possible with with the streets with mm -hmm. the the participants with you know the the different uh, entities within the within our partners and some of our funders so it's just uh, we just try to improve things as we go each year and it's become a really celebrated passionate e event great uh so uh i know we are short on time i just a few other questions before we wrap this up a uh, couple of things do you have any short-term or long-term sustainable goals with dance parade in the near future we would love to see dance parade you know go to other cities every city has uh you know dancers young kids who practice ballet or hip-hop and jazz but they also have an immigrant population you know we have dances from india and china and bolivia and other other countries so um we would love to see dance parade los angeles dance parade houston dance mm -hmm. parade mumbai <laughs> i know um uh so spreading you know but realistically it takes quite a lot to do what we're doing so you know right. maybe one city in the next three years um our short-term kind of realizable goal is to have Dance Parade presented on television. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a media partner, New York One, and and uh, their sister channel, Noticias, in, in Spanish. And that's a 24-7 uh, news-centered uh, media company, but they, they're really great about promoting community and having feel-good stories. They're not all so sensationalized with a lot of the media where, you know, everything is about mass shootings or war or these kind right. of dark stories. They're, they they love to cover, you know, us in schools. We have a community engagement program where we get dance into schools and, pro, and um, community centers, and then they end their programs with being in the parade. So the, the news covers that, the, the uh, New York One channel covers that. So we want to work with them to see if they could do coverage the same way they do the Halloween parade. Um, which is uh, on TV as well. So we, we want to do that within two years. That's our goal. Perfect. Uh, so let me ask you now, starting from 2007, now in 2022, 
how has been the audience perception or audience feedback on your uh, on this transparent concept? You know. Uh, so audience, I guess, in terms of watching the parade, it's, it's just uh, in general, the people of New York city who live there, people who participate, people who hear about it, you know, being, being the founder, like, like, how do you feel this has, this dream of yours has, uh, come to reality, you know, in your own eyes, you know? Yeah. Well, well, it's not actually just a dream of mine. I work with 150 people to, help make this happen and it's a team right. effort but I, I have founded and, and do lead the organization but and then we do have people residents who who don't like all of the noise coming from 60 you know sound systems from floats and and you know cultural groups and so we always have people that you know might not like that day of dance um, because of the noise and there are routinely you know a few uh people that that complain but then we also listen to them and we have a sound patrol you know for example and so we all we always have to take in information analyze and try to do better and so that we have uh you know decibel readers they go around trying to see what what is out of bounds and and we tell them oh you have to turn your sound down if they don't we give them a written uh, thing and then they can actually potentially get removed by the police if they're too loud. So we try to work with people and always improve. Um, but we're excited that we're doing something important for the city. That that public art um, is very popular, and mm -hmm. and we want to um, share what does Palestinian dance look like, what does Indian dance look like, what does you know, people have conceptions, but until you actually see it, 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 it is really, it's really rich and mm -hmm. rewarding. So we, we hope to kind of continue to grow. And for all your listeners, we'd love to have people volunteer at danceparade.org uh, or connect with us on social media. Dance Parade NYC is our hashtag or our, our handle, I guess you'd say, on, on all these different social media channels. Yeah, that's great. So actually, we are going to put the information about your website, YouTube channel, all other social media platforms. Uh, so if people want to reach out to you guys, you know, they can do so. Uh, last question, you know, to end this podcast, if there was any message you would like to give to our audience, uh, what would that be? I would love to ask people why they are so shy about dancing. <laughs> because I often see, you know, the New York Times or somebody writes a story on, on, you know, oh, you won't see me out there, but I would, I'll watch. The only way you'll catch me dancing is if I have a few drinks at a wedding. Uh, <laughs> dancing should be for everyone and different cultures are comfortable with that. I find that um, I was amazed when I went to Europe the first time and I would go to a, a dance place and see a person dancing by themselves. And I thought, wow, how strong are they to be able to do that? But it really is also how, how timid and uncomfortable we are as an American culture to, to not be able to do that. You know, you have to be drinking or something. And it's not true. It, movement is a healthy thing. Everyone goes to the gym or a lot of people go to the gym. Um, and why not go, you know, move 
with music and and feel good and have all these incredible benefits from mental clarity to you know being a part of a culture you're proud of it's I, I just my message to everyone is just try it just go to a dance class or go to a dance party or go come to dance parade and just enjoy because it's a perfect great, great thing that we can all do together as you know as a world really Love that message, Greg. Greg, I wanna I wanna thank you very much once again uh, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us here on the podcast. And uh, you know, we look forward to hearing more about your uh, next parade, which you said is in May of 2023. And and we would like to bring you in probably a few months before that, so you can actually kind of chime into that and give our audience more you know information on that and what's new and not. Thank you, Sid. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, uh, yeah, I would I would love to come back whenever you'll have me. Perfect. Thank you so much, Greg. I want to wish you a great day and I want to wish you all the very best and success in your future endeavors. From Thank our you, side. sir. Same to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care.